All right. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. Our official sponsor is Running Aces Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel. Our other sponsors, Learn Pro Poker website app, and our new sponsor, the Small Small Business Community. Uh, in this chats edition of the podcast, we're going to hang out with David Lappin. Uh, he's a player, he's a coach, he's a blogger, he's a podcaster, he's a commentator, and we'll find out about everything else that he does uh, as well. But first, let's introduce the panel. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in our Poker Stars home game. And Amarillo Slim reminded us that no river, no fish. <laughs> well, my name is Jim Reed. I'm Bluff Storini in the home game, and I'm just happy to be here. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman 50 everywhere. And like, Tam, like Tommy Angelo, I was born with an oversized knit bone. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to explore that one, Rob, in a little bit. Well, you know, if you played with me, you know, it's, I have an oversized <laughs> knit bone. That's all there is to it. I love that quote. I've never <laughs> heard that one. All right, guys. Well, uh, just real quick before we jump in, uh, one thing to remind you about is that we've just launched our home games community uh, network. And so if you want to be a part of that deal, it's just kind of a fun way to uh, promote your home game, promote the people that win the home game, get their name on the podcast, uh, get on the website, that kind of thing. So go to our store, rec.poker, uh, check out the store, check out everything else that's out there uh, while you are there. And so with that, let's bring them in. Uh, David Lappin, I believe, I assume, uh, coming to us from Malta today. Indeed I am, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of all the work you guys do and your community, Fair Play. I like my introduction, by the way, sort of j jack of all trades, master of none. That was quite nicely done, yeah. I like it. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't say master of none. <laughs> That's TBD. We're going to find out by the end of this time together, we'll find out if you're, if you're master of none. But yeah, like, just you know, introduce yourself a little bit. I think you know, we've got a lot of folks that are uh, very experienced, a lot of listen to a ton of podcasts. They know you, they know the chip race, they know what's going on. And then there's folks that maybe haven't quite uh, connected with you yet. So maybe give a bit of a background on the things that you're plugged in with and what you're doing in the poker community. Well, thank you for this opportunity because I'm basically here to steal your viewers. Fair game. Fair game. Guerrilla warfare here. I'm, I'm just, uh, Darrow Carney phoned me up. He says, Get on that rec poker. We haven't got enough of their audience across yet. So. <laughs> right, exactly. The, the demographics are not skewing our direction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we don't have a scarcity mentality. So it's like, man, if we, we always say, man, if you like our stuff, that's great. If you find somebody else that you like better, go listen to them. Like at the end of the day, we're trying to build community. We're trying to get people plugged into where they connect with. If they like both of us, cool. But if they listen to you and they're like, all right, I'm done with Steve and Jim and Rob. Screw this. I'm going to connect with David. Like, that's a win. If people are enjoying poker even more because of connecting with you, uh, we're perfectly fine with that. Right, I'll give it my best shot. Um, yeah, get in there. Make sure you send your contact info. That's it. We want we want to send send poker lovers to where they can find the, their love of poker the best, wherever. We, that we've is. given them the open platform to take yep. to go after our listeners. So that's right. Have, Come, have and so, Come and take them. Come and take them. We don't even want some of them, so whatever. <laughs> hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, we'll take your discards. Um, <laughs> no, but, well, my name is David Lappin. I've been a professional poker player for almost 14 years. I have been a Unibet ambassador for almost four. Um, I am the producer and co-host and editor of the Chip Race Poker Podcast, which hopefully some of you have heard. If you haven't, give us a give us a chance. Yeah, you're um, basically just dragging Dara along for that one. Uh, yeah. We had him on Reckon. the show. I, well, hang on a minute. I, I listened to the, the, the show from about a week ago, and you said the exact same thing to him. <laughs> oh, so he's on to us, guys. Any of this. <laughs> he's on to us. <laughs> um, 
I have over the years written a blog. I staked some poker players for a while, um, but mostly online player sort of segue to playing more live about halfway through my career. Uh, now very much a mixture of both, except for this year, of course, where none mm. of us really get to be live players. And um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting last few months, making lots of content at the moment, actually. That's one thing that this lockdown that we all find ourselves in has meant that like one everybody's around nobody can go oh no no i can't be on your show because i'm gonna be at the wpt blah blah blah, or whatever it is it's like no you're not you're fucking at home and you're gonna come on our show there's no escape so you get all the good guests that's that's nice and you um and yeah and you have more time because you're not traveling and all that kind of stuff so actually darren and i sort of expanded our um offering of shows we we started up the lock-in which i think some people have taken to quite nicely and actually we had our best ever show there just about a week ago with brian paris brian's an old pal of mine and he gave us a cracking show um and we've had great guests on that one already so um yeah do check that one out on youtube if people get the chance and for some of our listeners that might not know the difference really between the two uh shows that you're putting on can you just talk a little bit about the chip race and the lockdown and why people might enjoy one or the other yeah no worries the chip race uh is i think we're about to put out our 91st episode it's a sort of five act play uh, five segments uh, we, we open with a topical segment we usually have a less obvious but usually really cool guest um in the in the number two slot then we have a little news piece which let's be honest is basically a massive ad and, uh, and, and then and then we do strategy and that's where dara sort of you know kicks it up a gear and makes us sound like we're really clever people to be honest because he does the research and he brings a really good hand and breaks down all the solver work does all the really difficult stuff and usually the guess is, is isn't too shabby either so i i very much play a sort of a, a tossing from back to forth house role on that one and uh, and then the last segment is our main guest which hopefully is a big headliner uh, maybe the, the sort of name on the tin that we'll sell the show on uh, it's a polished show we do a lot of editing on us we do a lot of prep work on the interviews so it's kind of our real main baby uh, lock-in is a more impromptu topical chat on maybe three or four topics of the week with the guests we have on. We usually don't edit it at all, to be honest. Um, only we occasionally have no, we have no idea what that would be like <laughs> in, this, in this very professional, highly produced podcast that we do. Well, you create, you create this lovely kind of uh, nice, friendly surrounding where I already feel comfortable enough to spill secrets and, you know, <laughs> say things I'm not supposed to say. So you're doing your job. <laughs> Well, you can already tell that we're we're sort of a you know with the times right now. When Jim referred to it as a lockdown <laughs> versus lock-in, you kind of get the already going. Well, Darren, Darren argued with me for a long time. He said, "Yeah, it has to be called the lockdown." What are you doing? Lockdown is like a Google word. You need to kind of right. tap into that. Yeah. And I was like, "But then if we keep doing it, it's going to be weird that we're calling it the lockdown like four years from now if life is normal <laughs> right. again." So. And then what, what happens if, if Dara goes to prison? Because then locked in is even better. So you, you guys, you're thinking of multiple levels. Non-zero chance of any of us going to prison. Yeah, it's more likely than David, I think, is actually the one who's going to prison. Based on, yeah, based on our conversation so far. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, fantastic stuff. Like, so, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. You guys check it out, honestly. Like, David just brings his energy, you know. I'm, I'm Minnesotan from the U.S., and I try to bring energy, but, you know, it's – I got a manufacturer. David's just like, boom, 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 let's go. You know, here we are. And then you yeah. come, and you're, you're originally from Ireland, right? Like, yeah, and I like that you're saying it like it's a good thing because most people don't think that's a good thing. Well, it's um, a little overwhelming, but I don't know. <laughs> um, No, it's great. Yeah, I remember talking to Matt Affleck at the World Series last year, and to my great surprise at his table, he 
turned to me and he said, oh, I, I've always listened to your show. I'm a huge fan of the show, but you're the only show I can't listen at 2x. Like, I have to listen <laughs> uh, at normal yes. speed and then get it up to 1.5. You can do us at 1.5, but, but he still finds me a struggle at that. See, where Dara, it's, well, it's a nice contrast, you know, because you have the kind of fast-talking, kind of pushing right. it around, kind of hosty kind of role that I do. And then Dara's the kind of, I suppose he probably speaks about 40% of the time, but when he does speak, it's far more interesting and he kind of leads in. <laughs> and he talks slow and he makes sure you understand what he's saying where well, are you sure are nice to him for all, for all the shots he takes at you when he's on the show <laughs> you sure are yeah. you're awfully generous to him but no we, we talk about this because we have john somsky wasn't able to join us because he's he's working right now he listens to a ton of podcasts chad mcveen does and they like listen at like 2.6 2.7 or whatever and we asked them kind of that question they're like yeah there's certain there's certain accents like the irish accent that are pretty tough to to crank up that fast. <laughs> well, well and also my, my pitch. I'm high pitched anyway, so you don't want to be. That's a that's a nasty chipmunk sort of report. <laughs> you're listening too quick. Well, well, it, let's hear let's hear just a little bit about your poker story, sort of uh, Ireland to Malta. Like, what? Give us a little bit of like, how did you even get into this crazy game? Was it just part of your family growing up? Did you somehow find it? Uh, what's your no. scoop there? Yeah, no, nothing family like that. Um, like a lot of people, teenagers my age, we got really into this late night poker show on Channel 4 on British TV. Um, little did I know I would become friends with some of those guys years later, but that was like a really cool show when we were all teenagers playing, you know, like five bucks on a Friday night with like two sneaky tins of cider when you weren't meant to be drinking <laughs> was like the best night ever. And uh, and who would win everyone else's fiver? That was that was a good night back then, and and that's sort of how I took it up. And to be honest, then just you know went to college and sort of lived a normal life, dabbled with a bit of cash games. I probably went in the casino once in a blue moon, but I, I don't think I was ever rubbish. But I certainly wasn't like a, a pro standard or anything like it. To be honest, at the beginning, but I got really into it um, about my last year of college, and I decided that. Um, it would be like a hobby. I suppose I spent maybe like a couple of evenings a week playing and that was good fun. And then I left college and I got a job as uh, I, I, my own show actually got commissioned on the national broadcast in Ireland. I was a writer um, and, uh, and that was canceled unfortunately after like nine months. So that was a pretty unsuccessful run with that show. <laughs> and um, I sort of in those, in that time period, I had gotten better at poker my show also was about a poker player. So I was almost like, for the sake of the show, writing um, what I was learning about and absorbing in the casinos and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately, the, 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 the show meant no money from that anymore. And I kind of thought, well, maybe I can keep playing poker and make just enough to get by until the next thing. And that has snowballed into a career, to be honest. Uh, I don't think yeah. there was ever a moment where I thought, oh, I'm a poker pro now. It was like really gradual. Was it was it playing? Was that sort of your on ramp into into poker? Was there was it writing, commentating? Was it was it really was it the poker playing that got you into the industry, and then you sort of added these supplemental pieces? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was an online poker player. Never even left the house um, for at least the first four years. Uh, grinded up with sit and goes. Um, was one of the best forty five man players in the world for about a year or two back when you could track that kind of thing on shark scope and feel real important because you got a little gold star or whatever they gave you um so I was one of those guys who grind up his role that way uh, sort of an unspectacular way to grind up your role. A lot of friends moved away from that stuff and started beasts and mTTs and I was too scared. I just want to be the top of my little tiny uh, yeah. uh tree. 
um, and then uh, did eventually move into MTTs, um, moved away from sit and go. Sit and goes kind of died a bit, to be honest. So that it kind of made sense to segue. Got very good at satellites around the time I met Dara. Then obviously he's the king of satellites, mm-hmm. so uh, always in his shadow. But I think still probably one of the better satellite players around for a lot of years. Definitely was my bread and butter game alongside the sit and goes uh, for a while, and then. Yeah, only in the last like four or five years did the, the content come in, with the exception of my blog, which I did always write. That was sort of a, yeah, I probably wrote more blogs actually in the early days and I write less because of the show now. But um, it's, um, yeah, that's been a more gradual process. I guess getting the gig with Unibet, who are fantastic to work yeah. with, um, that sort of meant that I could rationally give up 15 hours a week to making content without going like, oh my God, why are you giving away all that time that you could be making money? Well, I, lo- I remember in that sit and go era when that was sort of, it hadn't been solved. There was a lot of money to be made there. People didn't know what mistakes not to make. Right. Um, I played, I did a bankroll challenge in the double or nothings back in the day. That was really good, but it is a grind and you sort of, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're capping how much you can do. Um, one of the nice things about the MTTs is that kind of mix of, uh skill and gamble right getting in there in the in the right one um so one one thing you've talked about writing a little bit and screenwriting was that it was that in a comedy line was this a comedy show that you were working on back in the day in ireland because i want to talk about comedy a little bit first but tell me about that i think there were comic elements to it for sure i think it was probably going to be sort of funny but it was a drama it was a. It was pitched as a drama. It was for young people. It was kind of a. It was like the, the age I was at the time, twenty three, twenty four. It was about my generation in Ireland, um, group of friends, and uh, yeah, it was. It, it certainly had lots of comic moments in it. Yeah. Well, you're you're obviously a funny guy, and you and Dara have a great uh, back and forth on the show, and you 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 know you enjoy taking the piss out of people on twitter too which i think people really get a kick out of is that something that uh, has just been with you your whole life is it something you've always been like a funny guy in public in the crowd uh is that something that's affected your life talk to us a, a little bit about that i i don't think of myself that way but yeah I, like i guess i probably like i love to laugh and i love having friends who are really funny and telling stories and having a few pints and, and, and enjoying a night out. And I, I suppose a lot of those nights do end up with, you know, funny storytelling. So, um, yeah, I guess it rubs off in the end. And, I, yeah, I hope, hopefully I am amusing to some people. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even think of myself necessarily in that way. But I guess I do fire some shots on Twitter. And I do try and take the piss, like you said. So, um, now, that I, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, I had this amazing realisation. You know. 13 years trolling people on the internet. Oh my God, what have I been doing with my life? We almost called well, this the epiphany show because of how many times we get people into about themselves. And... But it's, it's fun because we, we're, you know, we, we all have a great uh, relationship in Rec Poker. We're a group that is positive, encouraging, but we also get along and we like to make fun of each other and like have fun, right? Like, so Steve and I are always giving each other the gears um, because we, you know, already have this friendly relationship and it's, it's a fun thing to do because that's the way that we're friends. But um, sometimes I wonder in bigger groups when guys like you and I, David, are kind of like, you know, taking our little shots at people. I, I, I wonder if, how do you calibrate that when you want to make sure that the people in the group are down with the, the comedy that you're spreading? not actually being a jerk (laughs) the only way i can answer that is that i fail miserably to read the cues when it's going wrong because i lived in america for about four years i lived in connecticut uh, around about that time when i was playing online um and um 
yeah, I found it really, I lived in, you know, West Hartford, Connecticut, it's a bit snooty, it's a lovely place, nice people, but like, can be a little bit uh, English, almost, and, um, and, and sort of suburban English, or yeah, leafy suburb, and <laughs> invariably I would go out for a night out with my girlfriend, and we would come back, and I would go, that was a great night, oh, those people were great fun, and she was like, none of them like you, and they think you're really rude, why did you, why did you act that way, why did you hurt everyone's feelings and I was like what because that means I was having fun like they must know that right. they were like no they just think you're being an asshole and I was like oh, <laughs> damn so I yeah I don't think I do have uh, a good uh, <laughs> sense of when it's going very wrong I can't read the room I can't read the room so Jim says yeah how do you calibrate well the, the short answer is I don't yeah yeah so is that when, when you're sitting at the poker table then? Because uh, I know I, I grew up playing online as well, and my live play definitely took um, Like, do, do you feel like you have that ability when you're reading people, reading their tells, reading their strength of hand? Is that something that uh, through your podcasting has been a, a benefit to you, or are you still kind of behind on that? No, I, th I think um, you sort of use all the tricks available. And I, and I suppose from the point of view of like live or your live persona, I think it's much easier if you just stay in your own character. Now you can kind of push it and you can kind of, you know, Dara, for example, Dara sits at a table, he's pretty quiet. He'll have a chat with you if you want, but he's looking around him. He's trying to watch for things. He's, he's picking up information he can, but it's hard to get much from him because, you know, he's going to be quite stony faced. He's going to have a good quote unquote poker face, hard to read, all that good stuff. Whereas I'll kind of go the other direction and I'll certainly be giving a lot of animated kind of stuff. But the hope there is that in the informational exchange of that, you're getting more than you're giving away. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like switching gears a little bit, uh, the whole Unibet ambassador thing. Like, uh, I think a lot of us, my, myself included, don't really know what does it mean to be an ambassador? Like a lot of us recreational players, we see that, oh, this person's an ambassador for them or they're an ambassador for them. And I, I don't think we really know what does that even mean other than obviously they're promoting their brand and, it must be somebody that they're okay putting their, their patch on. But what does it mean to be a Unibet ambassador? I just always assumed it was for my good looks. Is I that what it is? They just want okay, to put my face well, on a That was my first stop, but then I thought, they, well, that can't be it. I, yeah, I thought, well, <laughs> no, that's not it. Because why wouldn't Again. Dara be the ambassador? So I was confused. <laughs> so it, <laughs> Again, I'm having another realization that maybe I've been living a lie all these years. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Truthfully, uh, for me, it was um, a role which was about sort of my personal brand, if you want to call it that. It's a bit wanky to say that, but like just that notion of like what you believe in in poker, what you think is good for poker, what you think is the way the game should go, was very close to what Unibet's sort of burgeoning brand identity had become. They had sort of escaped network model poker and were going out on their own. And in their, I think it was towards the end of their second year, they sort of had reached a point where they wanted to take it up another notch. And part and parcel of that um, additional investment was going to be in a, a panel of ambassadors, if you like, a, a kind of a team. And they approached Dara and I with a view to um, sort of both creating content, but also, I suppose, Dara and I through our blogs at the time more than anything else had seemed to be... Oh, well, it's tricky to put it this way, but it's probably the fairest way to put it. We were quite critical of what stars in the immediate Amaya era had done. Mm -hmm. And we were 
and we had gone from being very pro stars and very much fans of that site and uh, loyal patrons of all of their uh, tours and nightly games to becoming very unhappy with our lot there and unhappy with the the way the live events were being run and the way the rake structures were being put together and the way of course they did the scandalous loyalty thing to everybody with supernova elite and whatnot so that really put a bad taste in our mouths and we were vocal about it in the same that we were vocal about how positive we were before mm-hmm. um, we became negatively vocal about it and i think the way in which that manifested is we we sort of galvanized as at least in europe two of the main voices of the way we wanted to see poker return to or the model we preferred um, and the way we thought players should be treated and, and the way we didn't think recreational players and professional players should be pitted against one another by the marketing teams that mm-hmm. at some level it's like well you're the site and having recreational players on your site is brilliant and you want to get loads of them involved and you want to have professional players who are hopefully good to the recs and provide value in other ways too but there's also an inevitability the way poker is structured there will always be a percentage you win if you were to just murder all the pros tomorrow well the next group of people down would become the pros you know it's just it's always going to be part of the structure of poker that there's some people who'll be better and win so understanding that that's the ecosystem and and, and, and understanding how to manage that ecosystem fairly and uh, honestly as well because it was a dishonesty i think to the way in which Hallriser and co were sort of presenting all that stuff which bothered us so we became that voice i guess to some extent and then it made sense for us to be identifiable by other sites of going well those guys if we want to kind of return to that 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 makes so i I think that was our initial appeal and then i suppose the proof is in the pudding our content has been i think quite good over the years and we're certainly hard workers thanks i saw that (laughs) (laughs) um i think you know we we certainly um put our all into it like there's no lack of effort that goes into those shows so hopefully the audience enjoy it and uh, and we'll you know keep plodding on and making more of them but the um I think that's become part of it. At some level for me as well, personally, I think within the company in Unibet, I've kind of grown a role now internally where I get to consult a bit more. And I think that's quite a nice place to be where you can have a bit of a role when it comes to structures, upcoming promotions, you know, just the ways in which we're doing things on a day-to-day basis. Actually, when I look at the site today, I see little nuggets of ideas of, things I suggested all across the last four years have kind of come to be. And that's quite pleasing, actually. Did you refer to that as a lappin or something when you see it? Is, it, is there a... Yeah, a yeah I claim it completely for myself. I just go, that's just all me. Yeah. <laughs> another, there's, another, there's another lappin. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so as, as an ambassador, basically, I mean, you don't have to give them the details, but they, they pay you or something and then you produce content and kind of represent their brand. Is that basically what it means to be an ambassador? Or are there other elements involved that maybe... Uh, most of the poker community is not available, not not aware of. That's a lot of it. The other thing, which again this year has been a bit different, is there are usually about nine or ten live stops on their schedule, mm-hmm. which Dara, myself, Ian will attend. We'll commentate at those. There's a bit of meet and greet with players, and again, it's a lot of recreational players on some of our lower buy-in tours as well, where we'll spend a bit of time with those guys in the bar, have chats, organise side games, all that kind of good fun stuff. So there's a real community similar to yourselves. There's a really nice recreational poker community around UniBet too. 
and um, and and yeah, being a part of that is is a big part of the job as well. Then when it comes to our Unibet Opens, which are our sort of uh, marquee events four times a year, we've quite an expensive live stream set up for that. It's quite well produced, and we jump into the commentary box as much as we can if we're not playing. Uh, if we bust the tournament, we're usually in there doing our bit, and um, and yeah, and yeah, that hopefully enhances the coverage and our value to them as well. So so now you've go ahead, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, there's a real, there's a real recreational poker movement, I think, right now. And, and I think what we really firmly believe is that it's not people that don't take it seriously. It's right. people that just play for fun. And, you know, people have fun winning and they have fun playing well and being thoughtful and developing their strategies. And uh, so we, we, we want to just tie into all the recreational poker out there that are trying to have a good time and get better and play together and have fun with each other like that i just i love that there's this attitude that that doesn't mean that you're not taking it seriously or that you're a bad player just because you're a recreational player so um one of the things one of the things uh, some of our players might not know this you recently passed uh, one million dollars in profit and as some recreational some recreational poker players won't know that that means that you actually have a million dollars right now just set aside <laughs> yeah, i see it behind you know, and Eddie's. yeah <laughs> yeah i lived very frugally for all of these 14 no but what's funny like that, that not to degrade that achievement obviously it's a it's an achievement but i haven't played for 13 and a half years to a lot of my friends that's pathetic and they just think i'm that's like they they made that in their first four years so you know there is a kind of a uh, a relative quality to that i'm nice, very proud nice of friends my, you I, have there yeah, yeah. no yeah, yeah i really need to do better um <laughs> but i i do feel as though it's it's an achievement it's certainly you know uh it, it was a kind of an interesting I, I actually crossed that mark and then uncrossed it for a while <laughs> two months and that then crossed sucks. it again several months later so yeah i kind of had a, a stutter start over over that line that's but why it's safer to measure those in caches if you start measuring <laughs> it in profit oh boy that's messy you know yeah it got messy but, no, seriously, congratulations, though. That's a real feather in your cap, sir. That's fantastic. Yeah, not bad for a journeyman podcaster that most people don't know even plays anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious with all of your engagements that you had, you know, obviously the podcast, the you know, hanging out with the recreational players, all that stuff, you know, whether it's strategy or mindset or just, you know, purpose of playing, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's sort of coming into the game or they, they want to learn the game? Kind of like Jim said, you know, the, like our, I think our target audience is people that love playing the game. We have a joy of the game and we want to be better at the game. We want to improve. And I think people don't realize that you can actually hold those at the same time. You can want to improve and still have fun. Uh, but, but, you know, when you think about people that are kind of in that camp, that they, they want to just really enjoy the game and enjoy the people and get better. Um, do you have any advice from some of the, all of the experiences, if you kind of aggregate all that up and say, here's, here's some insights for, for how to approach the game. Well, there are obviously lots of answers to that question yeah. and, and they're all very valid. But I, I just I'm want the right treat, one. You can... I'm, I'm going to treat it like a softball and just like yes. hit this one out of the park. So basically, <laughs> uh, do what I did, which was about 10 years ago or 11 years ago, as I was really making a lot of effort to improve, I was like fully focused on my game. I joined a forum of like-minded up-and-coming poker players and we supported each other and we shared advice and we shared strategy much like your site and your mm. community do so from that you will find the recommendation for the really good book 
PKO poker strategy. There, I've done it, Dara. Okay, I've done it now. I've done it. I've, it's done. What I don't did that have cost to mention, you? I don't have to mention satellite poker strategy. Oh, I've done that now as well. Anyway, that, that's the plug. Good. No, but you, you will find the good recommendations for books, the good training site recommendations. You know, you'll share hand history advice with one another. That'll be very valid. You'll spot something that someone else will like. So the forum becomes the hub. And then all the other stuff you can find around it. And I think, you know, the, the, the service you guys do on that front is that hub. And, you know, obviously there are other poker forums out there. There are other great poker um, resources of that nature. Finding one that suits you, that maybe has the personality combination mm-hmm. that you feel fits with you. And then, you know, helping each other together because it's, it's, it's not a team sport when you're out there, but it can kind of be a, a team sport in the locker room at some level. And would you, would you say really the key to that is engaging in it, right? There's one thing to just to, to read the forums, but if you really want to get better, there's for an element of, of engaging and kind of putting yourself out there a little bit and asking questions or giving insight. And that's really where the meat is, right? Not just reading a forum. Yeah, well, there's a great, like, so if education, you want to poker education, I always think then, well, the education comes from the Latin educo, and educo means to put back into a system from which you've taken. Mm. which is a very nice way of thinking about education. I think we've lost that meaning at some level in the modern world. But that for me, and it's sort of exactly what you just said there, which is contributing back into the thing from which you're absorbing knowledge as well and creating a a nice sort of circular dynamic between you and those people. Well, I'm not going to get a better segue than that because I did want to talk to you a bit about education. Um, We've both studied philosophy. You've studied a lot more than I have. Um, I found that it, when I studied philosophy, the next thing I did was I started a home renovation company. So it wasn't really like the path, the career access path that I was on. But I became I really... a waiter. So like, that's probably more or less the same. <laughs> okay. So I want to t- so talk to me a bit about this, the time you've spent studying philosophy, how it's impacted both your world outside of poker and if it's impacted at all the way or the strategy. That's a great question. Um, well, firstly, what I sort of specialized in, I did an MLIS, um, was one of the masters I, I, I took on um, through a lot of years of college in my kind of teens and early 20s. And um, for that, I specialized in an area called hermeneutic philosophy, which is basically about interpretation, interpretation of meaning um, sort of stems from the notion of a third way, almost like a rebellion against the idea of object and subject. So to put that simply the idea that, you know, the meaning or truth value of something is in the object and all we're trying to do is get as close to it as we can versus the idea of like that sort of hippie notion of like, well, the truth of any situation is in you and blah, blah, blah. It was that sort of subjectivism. It was trying to escape both of those and say, well, no, meaning is actually inside a a circular dynamic between you and the object. And this is always changing and always moving. And it's a really interesting branch of philosophy, which sort of started with Martin Heidegger, moved down through a guy called Hans-Georg Gadamer and is still in vogue to this day. Um, And there's lots of great modern exponents of it. For me, how that related to poker is kind of interesting. And I wanted to try something with you guys. And I rehearsed this earlier. So I'm, I'm taking a walk around the bays here in Malta. And I was predicting this question. And I thought, okay, I want to try and answer it in a kind of an interesting way. But this is the first time I've had a go at saying this, so I'll probably make a mess of it. But we'll give it, we'll give it, a, we'll give it a crack. <laughs> um, at some level, you know, um, to frame what I just said there, think of a piece of art. And then, you know, when you look at a piece of art, let's say you're looking at a painting, 
you come to it with certain prejudices of your knowledge of art or you know what, what art you've seen before or the history of art that you might know, that you might have and it will sort of like help you form your first impression as soon as you see that painting. But then you might look closer. You'll see more detail in the brush strokes. You'll see something else going on. You might pick up some symbolism or whatever's going on. It gets more enriched. Then you reflect back on maybe what the artist uh, was living in at the time, what kind of era he was in or she was in, where, you know, those kinds of notions. And it will continually change your interpretation until you get to a point where you have quite a sophisticated one, one would hope. I was thinking about this in relation to a poker hand today. And I was like, well, a poker hand is kind of like a little story. Um, it has parts to it and we interpret those parts. We give them meaning, a raise pre-flop, that means something. What does it mean though? Um, we aren't entirely sure yet, but we interpret it and we react to it. Um, perhaps initially based on what range of hands we would raise from the seat that the person raised from. Or maybe if we're a bit more sophisticated based on learned ranges that we know are pretty solid. That's kind of how we might come to that. But then we might think about that player and what we know about him and how tight or loose he is compared to us. And that might change it a little bit. We might start to think about the different stack sizes that are behind him. And then we go, okay, maybe his range has changed again. And then we might consider what stage of the tournament is it? Is it like the early stages where maybe there's no ICM? Is it the bubble where the ICM is really big or close to a final table where that matters? Does the amount of money matter to somebody? That's something that comes up towards the mm -hmm. end of a tournament when you're looking at big ladder jumps for every spot. So again, our interpretation changes in all of this. Then perhaps we add some further, more specific information to it. We might think, well, is this player on tilt? Did they lose the last few hands? Are they bothered? Have they won the last few hands? Do they think they're running over the table? Um, is there something physical I can pick up? Are they looking like they're bothered? Are they looking like they're, they've got the, what I like to call crazy eyes sometimes? <laughs> um, and those dynamics, again, might change their range. Then it folds around to you. Players may process information differently, but most poker players go through exactly that type of interpretive process in a matter of just a few seconds to the one I just described. But what's actually happened is this several layers of back and forth and circle. And for me, that process is quintessentially hermeneutic. So when I was thinking about this in terms of like what I ended up doing for the last 14 years, I was like, well, maybe I didn't move away from my philosophical roots so much. Maybe <laughs> I, I found some way to, yeah. you know, keep, keep that fire burning. And remember, that's just pre-flop. The hand goes on, new information's added, the new cards come down, the puzzle gets more complicated. So, um, you know, and also because poker is a, a game of incomplete information, it's also a little bit like a piece of art or a story. It's something that's more open. There's no right or wrong answer, but there are better and worse interpretations. Yeah, great point from our uh, John in our chat here. One of our premium members just wanted to point out great illustration of how the more you know about poker, the more complex it becomes and the more there is to consider. Uh, yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. I'm just trying to figure out the t-shirt. What's the t-shirt? Like I'm always looking at <laughs> t-shirts, the hermeneutics of poker or, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not playing poker. I'm doing, if you're looking to monetize this, we can do some business. <laughs> if you know a t-shirt. Right. I mean, I don't know hermeneutical philosophy of poker or something. There's, there's or there's a TED talk there. Some, there's something there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, I love, I love that. And so is that sort of like, are you saying that's sort of like this, this new sort of approach to philosophy that you studied is sort of this, that's the back and forth that you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that sort of is 
every interaction, you know, as yeah. a, a believer in hermeneutic philosophy as being the, the way in which we do interpret the world. And that is something I would ha- hold true to. Um, that's like every conversation. That's us right now. That's how we're going back and forth. And it's a, a constantly fluctuating thing because it's not like meaning is a bit different. When you involve the human mind, meaning becomes this circular, unquantifiable, fleeting thing. You know, you can have, you know, maths. You can say two plus two is four, and that can be very factual. But as soon as you have things about interpretation, so like, think about it like um, food. If you like um, salmon, and you also like bananas, but no one really wants to put salmon and bananas together. (laughs) So the context of that won't work. Whereas, you know, an interesting chef might be able to conjure a dish with unusually you know, weird mm. ingredients, but make it more than the sum of its parts. So, and, and nobody would say that the, your taste is um, nailed downable in that s- situation. Nobody could kind of say that was wrong or right. And I suppose that's what I'm trying to get at is that so much of life exists in this more um, in-between realm where we're always gathering and trying to get meaning, but it always keeps slipping through our hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love I love that so much. That's good stuff, Jim. You're I, I thought Jim would be like dropping his, his own philosophy on us. Well, I I dropped a bunch of stoic stuff on Jonathan Little a couple of weeks ago. I you did. That's true. I didn't want to be the guy who's always talking about stoic philosophy. <laughs> it's it's definitely something that's helped me in both. Considering your happiness, your uh, satisfaction, not being related. That's you. Jim's mic is cutting out there a little bit again. Darn it. We've had that issue on. Sorry, sorry, Jim. Uh, so he was going to go into the Stoic philosophy thing, but we, we cut him off. I actually, I actually <laughs> muted just, him. He doesn't just, know. You just shepherds crooked him yeah, out of there. I know. He doesn't know. Sorry, he doesn't know yet that I can mute him and he doesn't see it. I, I do one of these soft <laughs> mutes. I got a soft mute button. It just sort of makes it sound like he's going through a tunnel or something there. But well, well, David, that, that's so interesting. I, I love that. And one of the things, you know, I find more and more, and maybe this is just because I'm so naive, but you know, as I've gotten into poker the last five, 10 years, you know, I'm pretty new to the game. Uh, finding the, these deep thinking people like yourself in there is just so exciting because you think, oh, it's a card game, right? I mean, here's what you do. It's just sort of any other game, and you find these people that are just these deep thinkers. And so uh, it's, it's a pleasure to kind of hear hear you describe that and actually how you engage that into into poker. I think about Libbury kind of does the same thing where, you know, drawing these insights from poker and bringing insights back into poker. And, and then you got, you throw in the fact that we're all people, right? Like that's kind of your thing. Like we're all people playing a game. It's not just the game. It's the people part of it. Yeah. There's a, you know, integral aspect to poker, which is, a, is about human interaction. You know, obviously it can be mediated through a computer and that's still valid. There's more out there, obviously, if you're, if you're in person, um, but there is that sort of um, quintessential, is it a mathematical discipline? Is it an art form yeah. question that always hangs over? And of course, the answer is it's sort of yes. a bit of all of that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, it has all of that going on. All right. So, so I know we're, we're already past our time, but you know, it's, we could go on to this for hours and hours. I, I kind of want to just give you an opportunity to talk about what's coming up for you. Are there things that you're working on now, things that are coming up? What's, what's kind of putting the fire, uh, putting the fuel on the fire for you right now? What are you, what are you excited about? Tell us a little bit about uh, where you're heading and why you're excited. Well, I'm sort of in the process of making loads of content this week because Unibet have a big online series starting next week, which runs for three weeks. 
Um, so I want to be available to play almost all of that if I can. Mm. I, I sometimes go for their leaderboards. I'll probably play like the first week and then if I'm in any way in contention, I'll keep going. And if I'm not, maybe um, I'll just start, you know, cherry picking the better days. But um, <laughs> that's their four times a year online series. And it ends with the Unibet Open, which is our 1K buy-in. It would be a live event normally, but we're, we, we sort of have put those two things together where the Unibet Opens come at the end of the US's. So I want to be available for that, which means I don't really want to be playing, uh, or sorry, I don't really want to be making too much content Mm -hmm. while I'm playing. So I'm trying to get ahead of myself right now. This is something Dara and I do where we batch shows a bit. So we try and book segments, like the strategy segments are fairly evergreen so we can record them and put them in whatever show we want down the line. Topical segments, if we come up with a topic that we know will be still fairly warm, by you know right. a month from now we can do that too and then um yeah some of the more less obvious interviews again they don't really have to be right of the moment mm-hmm. um so if we can kind of batch all of that then the only thing maybe we have to make on any given week is the news which is very short and is the main interview which again is just that's sort of maybe like half a day's work or whatever it would be going into that and uh, and then for the rest of the time uh, I'm free to play. So we're trying to basically get about three shows ahead of ourselves right now. Um, nice. And if we can kind of get maybe most of three shows made over the next week, week and a half, that'll be pretty good. Um, we haven't booked our next guest for the lock-in yet, but I think we have our eye on a couple of decent guests that I think will keep uh, you know keep people interested. And we have a couple of strategy videos coming out as well on our YouTube channel. So one of them is made and one of them is in process. So yeah, I think this will be a very uh, busy content week. And then, um, and then yeah, the Unibet stuff will be fun. And then Christmas. So hopefully I can take a few days off around that. Nice. <laughs> when, when, so when does the Unibet uh, online series start? It runs from, I think, around the 20th of this month to the 15th of next month. It's like more than three weeks long. So it's, a, it's okay. another one of these long series. Um, there's a leaderboard attached. So if you do get in early and do well, there's incentive to kind of keep trying to uh, yeah. accumulate points and get some extra money at the end, which is always good fun. Um, but, um, but yeah, just in terms of content, the lock-in, you know, it, it's a really fun show to make. That, that'll be out. We'll probably make maybe four or five more of those this year. We're actually planning a Christmas special with our good pal Neil Channing at the moment. So that'll mm-hmm. be, uh, but in the spirit of Christmas specials, we're going to make that in about a week's time and then just uh, <laughs> leave, leave it in the can for uh, six weeks. Yeah. Hopefully nothing substantial will change. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that, that, again, maybe three more three more episodes of the main show i think that's what we've got left are you are you so fired up about everything so i mean i know sometimes you know you do this stuff am I, it gets am i angry am i angry with anybody fired up is a good thing fired up is a good I, thing i like, saw you mention jonathan little there a moment ago i almost thought that was you trying to trigger me i wasn't sure <laughs> I knew what was going on there yeah, i don't know what what jim's doing <laughs> on this thing like <laughs> no no i mean are you sort of like i mean you know i mean i know sometimes you do the podcast and do all this stuff but it gets to be a grind it's so fun but it gets to be a grind are you still find that finding that positive energy still kind of excited about uh everything you have going on oh man look poker players will moan about their loss that's just what we do but <laughs> with no good cause we're so lucky like yeah look i get yeah. to make a show about right? poker players every I week know. strategy thrown in and i get to play a game for a living i can't complain 
and talk I've to some of the coolest person. people in the world, right? I mean, you get to talk to all these really cool people. Well, sometimes you get invited on a show, you know, admittedly right. after your co-host, which sort of, I think he's been on like three times already. So I was sort of fucking waiting when the fuck are they going to well, ask me on? <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm here now. And well, I'm there's, there's a few things going on there. Well, first of all, well, first of all, we asked him if, if we could get you on. He said, no, like that's what he said for the, oh, God, the first few times. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's what he said. I'm going to get finally, on to him now. Finally, when we knew we'd have you both Darryl, on, we sort of- They're telling me that you, 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 you told them I couldn't come on the show. What's, what's going on here? We've had you have you on three or four times. He keeps saying ago. no. He says, David's not available to you. And then, and then we sort of sat down strategically and said, well, who do we have on first? And we thought, well, you know, we could either have David on first and then sort of have the downer of Dara, or we kind of just rip off the Band-Aid, have Dara on first, and then we liven it up with David. So we decided that we were going to have you on last. He's way cleverer, though, and very. I would have picked him first as well. As somebody who books guests, I would choose Dara way before me. I would have Dara on three times before I'd even consider me. Okay, so we played it, played it right. Yeah, I think you did it right, to be honest. I think you did it right. Oh, my gosh. All right, no. on, on that note, I'd like to know, I mean, Steve and I met at a poker table. How did you and Dara yeah. get together originally? The very early story, which Dara tells, and I don't recall, but it does sound plausible, <laughs> is online, I berated him in the chat. Oh um, no! And he on on a full tilt table way back in like 2009, and while I can't remember if that is true or not, it is very plausible. Um, <laughs> we met in person. We were introduced by a, a mutual friend, John O'Cruz, a fantastic poker player who is now a, a brewery owner and a pub owner. Uh, he's a, a beer maestro, but he sort of took all his ill-gotten gains from poker about five or six years ago and, and, and decided to start running businesses. Great guy. One of the best poker players Ireland has ever produced. John O'Cruz, shout out to that man. Uh, he put Darren and I together. I want to say it was at, a, uh, at an Irish Open. I think he basically said, oh, you guys would get along. And then that was it. <laughs> we, we, we had a mandate the next week. Dara's going to really get annoyed by this because I always make it sound super couple whenever I talk about me and Dara. Um, so we basically, I invited him on a, on a mandate. Uh, we talked about Beckett, one of our favorite, mutually favorite authors. And we ate some steaks and drank some wine. And then he invited me to his home the next week to meet his wife. And we... I think I was there until about four in the morning. I think that oh, sent me home in the end. And uh, yeah, a friendship was born. Oh, I love that. Did you know that story, Rob? Did you know that no, story? No, I did not. I did not know that story, but I wanted to find out why. Because the, these guys have that relationship like we kind of do, you know, yeah. where you give each other crap and you're, you know, you're, so you know, there's, there's a really contact there. There's a real, um, they really know each other very well and respect each other. And I just wanted to find out how it all happened. Or we're very, very good at pretending because it's in our contracts too. <laughs> yeah, it's in the contracts. No, that's, I, I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, David, thank you People so much. People don't realize for... Darren and I actually fell out 13 years ago, but it's been mutually <laughs> beneficial for us to continue. <laughs> we right, have one more that people rely upon and we're going to keep it going. <laughs> I have one more question since we're at the end of our show. At the end of your show, you always come up with some musical um, thing, and, and it's always so eclectic. It's so, it, you've got such a broad musical uh, knowledge that I just wanted to know where did that come from? Is that something, were you a musician at one time, or are you just, just absorbed in music? Well, it's really nice of you to say that. Well, Dara's really the muso, to be honest. Dara, um, as I'm sure he spoke about on your show, you know, David Bowie's mate, no less. So he uh, was very embedded in the music scene of, I guess, like 70s, 80s, 90s kind of 
uh, going to gigs when he was a young man and uh, and and yeah just being pen pals with David Bowie because you know why not um but, uh, <laughs> I would say that I just have my taste in music I, I probably end up making more of those those selections and I probably end up making them right at the last minute because I haven't realized how the show's going to end and I'm like oh shit how am I going to do this and I, you know <laughs> try and fumble around for some sort of semblance of a through line in the show and see if I could kind of make the, the song fit very good, very good. I love very it. Cool. Well, well, David, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. Finally, we got you on. Sorry that the, for the delay. And I know, <laughs> you know, I think we'll, we'll talk to Dara about sort of uh, that, that you're not as bad of a guy as he sort of planted the seeds yeah. for. Yeah, we so, got to let the world know that Dara's just been completely unfair on our show. There, there's going to be a bit of a reckoning. Uh, He's actually not that bad a guy. And I could barely notice the smell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, I did shower for you guys. I, I mentioned this before we came on air that you do you don't get too many opportunities at the moment to actually dress up in a nice shirt. Now right. I am bet into this shirt. I just want to point. Out, I'm not actually. I won't do. It, I won't stand up. But I am absolutely bet into this shirt. This shirt fit me when I was a much skinnier <laughs> man. And I can I can just about keep it together. I thought it'll tuck me in in all the right places. And that's like what you do now. You know, you 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 know, you used to do it for the nightclub or the the night out, and now you do it for the Skype call or the Zoom call. Isn't that, isn't that it? Yeah, I call I call it the modern day mullet. Like right now, I got shorts on. You know, but you, put, you know, like, I'm just glad you've pants, man. I'm just glad you've got pants on top, on party there. in the back, party party in the bottom. Like I, I haven't worn pants for for months. Yeah, and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out as well, I really appreciate you doing this. I know that there is an aspect to it that goes out live, but then some of it will go out at a later point. But I've actually recorded this myself, and I'm going to, I'm going to trump you here. I'm going to 60 minutes you here and put out my version of it. Oh, nice. Steal your content. Steal all of your audience. I'm gonna, are you going to walk out on us too? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. What? Hard questions. <laughs> These are hard questions. Those were tough questions. That's that fix? No, I, 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 sorry, yeah, I gotta go. I think we've done enough. Yeah, I think that, that's as close oh, to a political conversation as we'll ever have on, ever have on this show. <laughs> well, David, seriously, thank you for your time, and it was super fun to meet you, fun to chat with you. Uh, we'll do it again. Good luck with the chip race. Good luck with everything else uh, you have going on. If there's any major updates on anything, feel free to let us know. Uh, we'll pass that along to Rec Poker Nation and make sure that they're plugged in with, with what's going on. But, man uh great to have you on the show thank you so much guys and thank you for all the hard work you do to you know one creates a great show but really knit a community of people together it's the building blocks and it's the glue that keep poker healthy and in a good place so i really appreciate everything you guys do too that was very generous of you thank you very much so you are you're welcome to head out we're going to take care of some housekeeping stuff or you can stick on if you want uh but uh once again david uh thank you so much can, can I just be like, can I just heckle? Yeah, heckle. Here's what you can do. You can make fun of some of the usernames in our Poker Stars <laughs> game when they're, when they're announced. <laughs> All right. All right, David. Well, yeah, Jim, why don't you guys, uh, you're, you're playing the role of John Somsky today. That's um, right. With us. Yeah. It's, it's a big shoes to fill, but I'm going to try my best. Um, I'm happy to report that Evil Roy CA won the monthly nice. uh, No Limit Hold'em game. Another, I, I, we, we're not allowed to share his name, but I know he's a good Canadian fella, so I'm <laughs> going to get that out there. Um, and Kim Kilroy, uh, Fergie56, yeah. another Canadian, uh, won the International Series on November 7th, so well done, Kim. And in the nightly series, we got a few to run through here. Shamu 27140, Roger Lamp. Or Luckbox, uh, as I call him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he beat me heads up. 
He, he was so he was so lucky in that in to win that that <laughs> night. It was ridiculous. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> is that is it Steve? Is that the one that you took second place in? Yeah, I went I went second, third, second, or something out of four nights. And yeah, oh, Rod, well, he, well deserved. Roger had like a, he had like a six to one chip lead by the time we got there. He must have taken everybody else's chips before we got there. <laughs> yeah, he's a great dude though. He's a phenomenal. Yeah, so I'm happy. Roger, Roger's fantastic dude. Yeah, and that's p- picking up his third nightly win. Yeah. Um, and Doug Drabeck, Magro 44, also known as one of the luckiest players in the home game series, locked up his ninth, if you yeah. can believe it. Nicely done, Doug. Uh, one of my favorites, Eric Jin from the uh, forums, Com Binkley, rocked his fifth nightly win. And coming in for the first time, uh, the one and only Philip Fuhrer, MN Ted, Mint Ted, picking up his first nightly win. But he's no stranger to the name of poker, so it's nice to get him in the rotation here. Uh, Mark Wittig, DJ Voyeur, picked up his second. And Graphics 16, Roger Shute, his seventh nightly win. And Graphics, Roger always has a soft spot in my heart because he was the very first person to win one of these silver, silver rec poker pins. I know. Take a good look, David. That is, that, that is nice. Win the, I mean, win the, the bronze ones are nice. The bronze yeah. ones are nice. But, boy, that silver one. Oh, we'll that's give it away about right five now. silvers. And Jim's got one with an asterisk. <laughs> there is <laughs> <laughs> no so we play the home games every for those of you who don't know if you're listening or for david uh we play the home games we've got a few different series we've got the nightly home game which we started after covid kind of hit uh you win you the bronze pin if you win the nightly uh and then we have like a monthly no limit hold'em series uh you win one of those you get a bronze pin we have four different series uh we have a mixed game monthly tournament you win that you get the bronze pin then we have the international series uh which we have the times kind of geared for uh, our, our friends overseas. And so those are the four series. You can win a bronze pin once a year for each one of those. And then we have the tournament of champions where you can win the silver pin. And we haven't yet announced how you can win the gold pin. That's uh, that's TBD. We'll maybe do that at the, uh, <laughs> we have an, our first annual celebration. We're going to do a big Zoom award show January 27th. So we'll maybe announce it there. Uh, how people can get the uh, the gold pin. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That all sounds brilliant. What's the makeup of your uh, community percentage-wise, uh, North America versus rest of the world? Yeah, so the community of the whole is pretty broad. Our our home game, the Poker Stars home game, we get we have it's a big club, like three hundred people in the club, but we get maybe sixty people or so on average uh, every night. And typically, there's I'd say, but there's between two and five Canadians. Uh, we have a couple Australians that play pretty regularly. A couple British folks. But it's mostly uh, North America, or mostly United States. Yeah, there's been a couple Mexicans that have played it from time to mm-hmm. time. I'm trying to think what other what other flags have been represented out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's super fun. It's just you know it's all free. It's all for fun. We just give out the pins and we give out the bragging rights on the podcast. But I tell you, we we promote it as, as sort of it, it's got to be the the toughest regular free home game anywhere. Like it's, oh yeah, it's tough, right? <laughs> no I mean, one. No play money tournaments are running with with players trying as hard as this one. I guarantee. <laughs> they want the pin. <laughs> they want. If they're the not pin. playing legit. We just kick them out of the club anyway. So it's it's got it's it's all about learning the game. So it's Brilliant. super fun. Well, anything anything else on the home game front, uh, Jim? Uh, we've got one more chance to win your way into the end of the year championship. You can show up on the first Wednesday of December and win the monthly series that night. Um, or you can try and take the player of the year race away from Chris Jones and Jamel yeah. Cuevas because they are running away with it right now. Yeah. I'm going to have to win the thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So anything else on that, Jim, but good, good stuff. Thanks for filling in for John and that Rob, anything in the, uh, the book study, I know we're off and running with the latest book. 
Yeah, we're off and running with uh, Short Stack Ninja by Chris Fox Wallace. Uh, we had a real fun session, the first one. We went through, uh, you know, the value zone and we had a lot of participation. I think there was like nine folks in the, yeah. in the chat that day. It was really great. So enjoy, invite everybody that's a member to come and join us. Uh, we're on the first and third Wednesday of every month at 6.30. Come and join us. Uh, pick up the book. Start reading it. Get involved. It's just uh, been a lot of fun. Yeah, Rob does a tremendous job of leading those things. And if, if, if you're a premium member, you get access to all the archives, too. So we've got the Andrew Broca's book study that, that we went through. So those are all available on videos. You can go there and just kind of plug those plug those there. And so if you don't know how to become a premium member, just ask us. It's out on the website, rec.poker. But you can uh, sign up. For, it's 15 bucks a month. Uh, you get 10 bucks off the first month if you use the code recpoker. So sign up, pay five bucks for one month, hammer the video archives uh, and see if the value is there for you to, to continue on. But uh, it's a great way to support what we're doing here and kind of keep churning out great content. But yeah, Rob does a great job of leading those things. So thanks and to Rob. Go it's ahead, so Dave. nice of David to offer to come every two weeks and just study along with us. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Really great, Such a generous <laughs> well, movement. Can I just add, I actually met uh, Chris Wallace there for the first time. I was on the orbit with them about a month ago. A uh, really nice guy, really interesting guy, very talented writer as well. Yes. Um, but, I, but I have to say, I thought he was a very poor uh, presidential uh, debate yeah. moderator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> very job the low point. Do you follow him on Twitter? I mean, so much fun with that. <laughs> they're always taking them at Fox Poker Fox and they think it's for some reason they think Fox Poker Fox is Chris Wallace from Fox News and he just plays along right I mean it's <laughs> genius and he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met like he'll he'll do these things where he just tells people to tell him uh, tweet him an answer to a question and he'll come up with a question like they just they'll just send him like random you know two rabbits and a squirrel and he'll come up with some sort of a random question that makes sense but yeah he's he's <laughs> No, he's he's very talented. He's been a great friend of the show from the beginning. We did uh, we did a, another big seminar deal with him. Uh, so a great teacher, great writer, a great friend of the show. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Well, guys, anything else uh, before we wrap it up? All right, I'm not hearing anything. Rob, John, thanks for jumping into the chat there as well. Rob and Jim on the panel. David Lappin uh, here in Studio A or whatever we want to call this right now. But <laughs> but yeah, guys, I mean, go to Direct.Poker, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Running Aces, Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel, Website Amp, Learn Pro Poker, the small, small business community. Uh, and yeah, thanks, you guys. If you have any questions at all, just reach out. We're always accessible. Steve at Rec.Poker or wherever you get in touch with anybody. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Take care.